This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Joining me today is our co-host and 737 First Officer, Robert Geyer. Robert has many years as a recruiter with a regional airline and is now a pilot at a major airline and loves to help you move forward in your career. You know, it's been a really interesting week for both of us. Bad turbulence and another nor'easter. As a matter of fact, I spent most of my day driving for the airline instead of flying. I'll explain that in a minute. But uh, Robert, welcome back to the podcast. And I know that the two of us, this is going to be a fun one because the two of us actually have had a bad day flying. And we usually, this is an inspirational show about aviation careers. And it's it's not often that, that we have really bad days. And, uh, you know, we love our jobs. But today we, we were talking a little bit about about the challenges. So let's let's start off with that, Robert. I, I like this idea because, you know, we, we both were, were just, just lamenting how, how tough it's been. So uh, so let, let's talk a little bit about that. Robert, you know, again, welcome. And, and uh, you have had the same similar kind of week as I have, haven't you? <laughs> well, greetings, everyone. And uh, yeah, what an what a intro. <laughs> we're, we're, we are, we're trying we're, we're to be inspirational, to but we're both, on. we're no grumpy pants today. We kind of got it out before the podcast, but it's going to come through. So let, let's be, I guess this is where we call being real. Um, this today, like I said, I'm going to explain what happened to me. I wound up, there's a nor'easter going on. And I think it's almost done now while we record this, and it's up in Boston. Well, what happened is I wound up in uh, in almost my whole week, we've been getting beat up, just like you have, Robert. We, you were even telling me before going over the Gulf of Mexico, you said, hey, if you're going that way, it's going to be a, a rough ride. As a matter of fact, I think we were chasing each other. We were doing the same route, weren't we? I think we were both yeah, we point. were. <laughs> yeah. it was I, like, I texted you about something completely unrelated, and I'm like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm in Orlando going to Austin. You're like, oh, I do that in like two hours. I'm like, oh, I'll tell you how the rides are. And <laughs> they were really, really bad. Oh, man. And, you know, that gets to be really – They were, as a matter of fact, uh, the next day I flew another trip, and we had all sorts of maintenance issues and, and failures and stuff like that. It was like, oh, man, this is really kind of, kind of being a drag. Plus, it, you really couldn't relax much because we – literally got moderate turbulence and i haven't had that bad of a ride in many many years and this was in clear air moderate turbulence getting bumped around and some people reported it severe but it really wasn't severe severe is when it kicks off the autopilot for us but it really was bad and we had to let have people sit down for a while and and you know what it really kind of gets to you because you, you know your, your neck is stiff and you're like oh man when's this going to end uh, so those are the days where it's tough. Uh, I know we're complaining about the weather, and there's not much we can do about the weather. I understand that. But then, of course, you get people that kind of get mad. At you. We had a, a maintenance issue, and it was it was a it was a safety issue. It had to do with a, a fuel pump, so we definitely needed to get it fixed. And thinking it was going to take 15 minutes, and it took an hour to fix. And of course, uh, you know the passengers get angry. But what you have to do is keep them informed. Uh, so let's say let's not say we're grumpy, but it's been a it's been a real challenge. How's that sound, Robert? Let's look at it on a positive viewpoint. I like that. We'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> and and then of course we you know for me we were talking about driving i wasn't doing the driving actually i was being driven i should say and and this happens quite a bit like we've had a lot of events lately uh weather events and i actually uh last week i was driven uh to uh from newark where was i it was in newark and i went up drove up to white plains uh Flew a plane to Palm Beach, got deadheaded from Palm Beach to D.C., so I did a lot of deadhead flying and driving, and it, it happens. I was talking to the, the limo driver today, and all the airlines this happens to. He said he was carrying people from all these different airlines. Uh, crews are out of position. You know, They canceled all these flights. It was about 1,500 flights or something like that were canceled, and it was just, just a mess, and uh, you just got to roll with the punches. Uh, my advice, by the way, uh, since this is a, a, a podcast about advice, and I'm curious w- what you do about this, Robert, but when I pack my clothes, I pack my clothes for, uh, say it's a four-day trip, 
I usually add two to three days to that trip. If there's a bad weather event, I definitely add three days to that. So if I have a two-day trip, I add two days to the trip. So I make sure I have a couple extra days. I remember once I had a three-day trip and I knew there was a hurricane coming, so I added another three days. It turned out to be a six-day trip by the end because I had to sit in a hotel for three days. But kind of curious, Robert, what what do you do as far as packing-wise? Um, I, well, I, I'm trying to think about this now. I... Usually put at least an extra pair, like an extra day in, mm-hmm. and I've never really had a had to go more than that. But you know, I guess there's always a turning inside out. But I'm not really known for my hygiene, so oh my gosh, uh, maybe maybe <laughs> they were sharing too much on this podcast. <laughs> I think so, man. We really. So so here's an interesting thing. Or something before we continue. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, th- what this brings up a good point. The guy I'm flying with uh, this week, he actually is a cargo guy. And I asked him, I said, well, you guys go away for like 20 days. Obviously, he's with the airline now, with the passenger airline. And uh, what do you do? And he says, well, we bring a huge suitcase. Plus, when they're at the hotel, they just do their laundry at the hotel. you know. And some of them, in, to incentivize them to go away on these long trips, sometimes they'll include your laundry service uh, while you're away. So you don't worry as much about packing a whole bunch of clothes. Uh, you can actually do laundry at the hotel or have it done by the hotel. So... All these things you don't think about. Uh, you, you learn how to do your laundry in your hotel room. Uh, hopefully, the hotel has a laundry, but you do. Uh, you, it, it can be a challenge, especially if you're in a very remote area somewhere in the world and you're trying to get laundry done. Uh, that can definitely be interesting. It's also kind of fun. Uh, let's put a, a fun spin on this when it, the weather's bad because there's a whole bunch of other airlines there that are stuck also in their same hotel. So like last night, uh, I was wiped out. So I went to bed, but the captain went out. He hung out. There was like crews from all these different airlines, and they were kind of talking about things. And what was really neat about his conversation he related to me is the fact that, you know, no matter where you work, you know, the airlines are pretty much the same, the same challenges. It's the same job everywhere. There's just a little bit difference. Uh, obviously, in pay benefits and those kind of things we always talk about, but uh, bases and, and our destinations. Uh, you know, you go places at your airline that we don't go, and we go places you don't go, and uh, we have different operating procedures for certain places. It's, it's kind of interesting to talk about those things, and, and that's that's a lot of fun, that's for sure. Uh, something to think about when you're picking a career, too, is uh, finding out what the most junior base is. Because I know, like, when I get in conversations with somebody from another airline, we'll say, hey, what's your most junior base? And, you know, what's the high, you know, fastest upgrades, those kind of things, and or, and we'll talk about other things, you know, about, you know, what's going on with, say, their contracts or something. That's what most people talk about. Uh, but it's really, really cool. Uh, anyway, now that we've – is there any anything else we need to get out before we start with the questions, Robert? Just, you know, can we let off any more steam now that we both – No, I think we're good. <laughs> okay. I think that – you know, it hasn't been all that bad this week, honestly. It's just it's just other just random stressors. So, you know – I picked up a little extra this week, so it's it's been good, you know. Yeah. Oh, I, I think, oh. I that's a great oh, point. Ahead. I forgot. <laughs> oh, by the way, you know, and I know everybody's feeling sorry for us. Woe is me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, just to let you know, because of this event, I was able to make enough extra money. First world problems. <laughs> yeah, 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 first world problems. <laughs> Major airline problems. I, I was able to actually pay my mortgage with the extra money I made on this trip. So uh, just in the extra money alone. So can't can't really complain there, can I? So that that's actually uh, some of the bonuses to this, to actually having these these irregular operations or storms, etc. Anyway, let's get moving on with the questions since we've uh, talked a little bit about trying to relate to you guys about what it's like to fly as an airline pilot and some of the challenges. Uh, let's start in with the first question. You ready, Robert? Uh, I am ready. Let's cool. do it. All right, here comes the first one. He says, "I love the podcast and enjoy slash appreciate what you do." Here's my question: Should I stay at my one thirty five? cargo job and build a thousand hours total pilot and command or bail out and join a regional as soon as i get my 1250 hours uh 1250 hours because he has a, a degree an associate's degree from a, a sort of a college that's um so the reduced atp standards and remember they're 1500 hours and also he talks about 135 and you know it's part 135 uh, it's a little bit different operating rules than than the scheduled airlines of 121 but they can have 135 scheduled but anyway we won't go into that in this podcast right now um but anyway he wants to know that but he, he tells us a little bit more about himself he says i'm currently in at 800 hours and the first officer on both a shorts 360 and a Falcon 20. My pay is actually really good for now, about sixty to sixty-five thousand, and I enjoy my work. I don't commute, and I never know where I'm flying next. 
The company insurers were at home pretty much every major federal holiday as opposed to the regionals. And that's true. You won't be home for the holidays at the regionals, especially when you get started. Ultimately, I'd like to be in a position to go to the majors or a corporate cargo gig. But how do I balance the rush to build seniority and get 121 time versus actually staying here and checking the thousand hour total PIC box? Ever since I joined this industry, seniority is everything has been the motto. I guess what I'm saying is I'm not in a rush to forego building pilot and command time here at my cargo job to commute at a regional and make less money on the hope that one day I'll land a major airline job. As a career changer, quality of life is important to me, but I can't help thinking about one more year spent here as another year lost building seniority at an airline. Feel free to follow up if you need more info. Thanks and happy flying. Well, that was uh, good info. By the way, uh, you know, our, if you want to have a personal conversation, obviously you can go to slash coaching and we can talk a little bit on, on a personal basis. We can only talk about this situation generally. But here's the thing you said something about it being a career changer and quality of life is important to you. You have to measure that. You know, how important is that? as opposed to getting seniority time. To me, it's, it's, it was a lot. It's worth every, it was worth every penny for me. Uh, I remained at a regional a little longer because of the fact that I was making really good money at the regional and also had incredible quality of life. So that is something you have to talk to yourself about. But it sounds like uh, just from the, the tone of the conversation here, you really are enjoying what you're doing now. And, and you're really hesitant about going to a regional. Yes, you'll fly a lot of hours at a regional. Uh, and I'm not sure you'd mention how many hours per year you're, you're building at your cargo job, uh, but uh, it obviously won't be like in the regionals. So how about, Robert, what do you think as far as, as what this person's situation is? Well, I was kind of interested in how much pilot and command time uh, he has thus far. Um, I don't think he mentioned that in the uh, – did he mention that? And I missed he said him. 800 hours. 800 hours. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, it's not really not that long till 1,000. I would almost say I know seniority is everything, and it's kind of the risk risk reward or a risk assessment. Um, it's it's no one really knows again what's going to happen. I mean, there could be a big event tomorrow, but I would almost say my opinion be if, if the goal is to have a thousand hours, he's pretty much almost there. I'm not sure exactly how much he's flying every month, but um, it seems like he's almost there. So maybe just stick it out and get the thousand, and then jump over to regionals because. You know, what happens if you get into regionals and then you get stuck as an FO for uh, five, six years because of some unforeseen event? Um, so you really got to be, I would say you really got to make the decision and going, okay, where could I be if the music stops? If, if that thousand hours is important, and, and it, it is to, to airlines, um, not as much as it was. Some airlines it still is, but um, most of them drop that requirement. But I'd say if you're almost there at that milestone, I don't know, my opinion kind of be stick it out for a couple more months and then go uh, to the regionals. But then again, if the music stops, you're going to be sitting lower on a seniority than have you would, would have made the move, uh, a couple months prior. So it's kind of that you, you really don't know, um, where it's all going to shake out. And that could not be an issue. You could get to the, the regionals and, um, nothing could happen and you can move up and upgrade there and, and be out of there in, in two to three years or who knows. It's just, it depends on the future, but no one really knows what the future is. I would say, my opinion, a uh, thousand PIC. He's so close to having it. I say just go ahead and finish it out. But that's that's just my opinion on it. So looking at his hours, I think part of that question is, you know, should I stay uh, at his one thirty five career job? And um, and again, it ha- it depends on how much you're building. If you're building a hundred hours a month uh, or a hundred hours a year, you know, if it's a hundred hours true. a year, then you need to leave. Uh, if it's a hundred hours a month, yeah, stay. So there's a little part of the equation we need to get, get out of that. So I guess I'll need some information there, but, um, you know, if you got that thousand PIC and, and you're between 1250 and, and 1500, cause you, you can, you have the reduced ATP that you can apply for, uh, then yeah, go for it. Uh, it depends the, it, going back to what you said about the thousand total PIC box, um, we have so many people that are being hired that have no PIC zero, uh, especially guys that go and gals that go right from the right seat uh, at a regional with say eight thousand hours, and now they're going to a major. The first time their captain is on is in a large jet aircraft. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? it really yeah, and that's 
it, and it has. It, and it used to be like you cannot go anywhere without a thousand PIC. <laughs> but it's not that it, we're just not in that that game now. Will it make you more compatible? Com- compatible. Yeah. Com- <laughs> I long, promise. I haven't started that beer. Uh, <laughs> will it make you more competitive? Competitive? I was it competitive? competitive? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very well could. It just depends on on where you stack up in the resumes, but. I don't know. Like, like I think that's a good point you make, Carl. If it's something that he's going to get within the next couple of months, I say stick it out. If it's going to be the next couple of years, I would say go to the regional. Yeah, and and you know he talks about liking his job, but man, I tell you, when you move on to the to the airlines, I think you're going to really enjoy it, especially since that's your goal. Uh, so really, there's a lot more information here, and just in general, it all depends. Like I said, in your situation and what's going on. Uh, but uh, thousand PIC, by the way, to check that box, it still is important if you're looking at jobs overseas. We don't talk about jobs uh, overseas so much because there's so many jobs here right now. Uh, but that situation can come up again. But there are some really cool jobs out there, some contract jobs that you can get overseas with a thousand PIC in certain aircraft. Uh, something to look at, but uh, obviously not right now with the hiring going on here. Thanks for the question, uh, and I'd love to hear some follow-up on it, so please write to us. Next question uh, says, uh, I've been listening to your podcast for about six months now and have enjoyed each episode very much and find them very informative. In one of your recent episodes, you were talking about a story from a 17-year-old, which made me think about writing. I'm a 15-year-old in the UK and have recently been considering a career in aviation. Currently have plans to do flight training in Europe, but end up flying in Canada. Is there anything you think I can do to prepare for an aviation world or piloting in general? Any information is good to me, and if you're unavailable to do so, could you direct me to find someone to get that information? Well, number one, you're doing it. You're listening to podcasts just like this one, and you're reading it, sounds like, and, and you're moving forward in your career. Uh, the, the big advice I'd, I'd have to give you is, is, number one, quality of training. Make sure that you learn everything you can about flying and learn it properly because those skills that you hone now will be used for the rest of your life. I mean, a good example is this past week we're doing crosswind landings and incredibly, you know, strong winds. And uh, you're going to you're gonna need those skills of doing crosswind landings. That never goes away. It's still a skilled job. So, you know, make sure your training is proper and make sure that you put your best effort and do the best job you can in your training. And uh, the other thing, too, is in preparing for your aviation job, listen to a lot of people, but uh, make sure when you're listening to people, you take things with a grain of salt uh, because a, a lot of folks are giving you their specific opinion. That's like what we try to do here is bring other people's opinions in and find out what their experiences are. So talk to a lot of different people and, and think about that. Is there one thing that I'd say, yeah, to get ready for the world of piloting? Uh, is read everything you can about aviation uh, and and listen to everything you can, watch YouTube videos and make sure that they're from really good people. I mean, there's some really cool people out there wanting to share their careers and their life, uh, and they're doing a great job in social media. So I think that's really important. Uh, Robert, did you want to add to that? No, I think that was pretty good. I think he did a nice job. Uh, that's probably what I would have said as well. Awesome, awesome. So let me uh, let's move on to some other things here that are kind of interesting. Uh, this next question here is a, is a bit longer. So let's uh, and by the way, thanks for that question. I think it's great just that what you're doing and at such a young age, you have a long career in front of you. Um, anyway, the next question is: Hello, Carl and crew. Let me start by saying I appreciate all you do to inform, educate, and entertain us, your audience. I started listening to aviation podcasts about two years ago, but found yours around October of 2016 and have since. It's been a regular listener and looking forward to notifications that a new podcast was released. <laughs> and that's, uh, by the way, we're having a problem with the last release. But anyway, talking about that, that's another challenge that's going on. But uh, I, I appreciate that. We're trying to get our feed fixed. Uh, and that's a whole other technology and, and stuff like that that we're working on right now. Uh, but anyway, he continues. We'll be honored to hear the crew's thoughts on my subject. I'm 28-year-old migrant from Africa. I've been in the U.S. for two years and six months. Dreamt of becoming a pilot as long as I can remember. Being an African, there's really little information on how to pursue this career. Long story short, when I moved to the U.S., I decided despite my advanced age, considering obviously the retirement age of 65, I'd still pursue my dream. Uh, Working hard as a certified medication technician and nursing assistant, saving up with information from podcasts like this, I started flight training in March of 2017. And on August of 2017, 
17, I passed my private pilot check ride. That's great. I'm currently working on both instrument and commercial with the same part 141 school where I received my private pilot certificate. I'm still paying out of pocket, hoping I can get it uh, all done with no debt to the commercial pilot license. So I saw something somewhere about a pilot being rejected a few years ago for having a misdemeanor on his record for shoplifting. That got me thinking hard and honestly kind of discouraging when I read articles about the subject. Uh, In October, I was charged with driving without a license. Technically, I had a license because he was saying he had a license from his country, an international driver's license, but in the state that he was in, uh, the police officer said it wasn't valid. So uh, they put him on, uh, you know, a long story short, he's got something, he's got it on his record. His lawyer told me it could be expunged after three years, and that's going to be in 2019. Uh, So he continues, with this in my record and considering that I might get done with my ratings to commercial in less than a year, if all goes well money-wise, will I be able to have a job starting out for time building like banner towing, jump pilot, flight instructing if I go that route? Further, will I be able to get an ATP license in future and will this hinder me in any way when I start applying for the regionals and eventually the majors? Or is there any regulation that states that having misdemeanors or felonies will prevent prospective aviators from being hired? Can I have the references if you have any? I don't want to spend all this money and can't use my ratings, or should I just give it up? I currently hold a bachelor's degree in management for a class medical certificate from the FA. Apologize for the lengthy email. Accept in, in, in advance my appreciation for your response and wish you all endless visibility and tailwinds up there in class alpha airspace well thanks i appreciate that so this is a challenge um i like the fact that you're looking forward uh trying to get that expunged and obviously there's a lot of stuff in here we couldn't talk about uh in the email but in general uh, when you have an issue uh say like a misdemeanor it does it does uh, hinder you at times but it also if you explain that it uh sometimes will allow you to get hired with a job Uh, But you have to go back and talk to them about, hey, this is what happened. This is why it happened. Where it does hinder you is that, uh, especially with a lot of the regionals, they're flying international. And there's a lot of countries that have some very strict immigration laws and immigration laws as far as uh, people that are actually working. I know, you know, we talk about like Canada, how they have very strict rules. Uh, the immigration rules as far as crew members are concerned. So that's a different different thing as far as your your visa and getting into a country because of the fact that it's different for people who are just visiting. You know, a lot of people say, well, there's no problem getting in there as a visitor. Well, there can be as an airline pilot as opposed to a visitor. Not just there, but I'm just using Canada as an example because they're here in the U.S. Uh, so it's something to think about. Um, it really, it, getting in expunged, I think is a great idea. Uh, we have, I, I speak with a lot of folks and coach a lot of folks that do have certain things in their records, uh, back in the records, there's, uh, people with DUIs driving while intoxicated, driving under the influence, uh, that have actually been able to get hired with airlines. And, uh, usually that's an even tougher one. So is it impossible? No. Will it be tough? Yes, it will be. I mean, uh, uh, you can't sugarcoat that. As far as do you think it's a it's going to be a problem in the future with you getting a job, say at an airline? Uh, yeah, that's going to be a little bit tougher. But again, if you can have that taken off your record, that'd be great. Um, with that said, and I don't, I'm not, you know, a legal advisor. Obviously, you have to go talk to an attorney how to do all that. Um, but uh, but guys, you know, uh, I know now, especially we've had a lot of people that have been applying that have things on the record that I never have seen before. So it's just the way things are. So, Robert, I know you did a lot of recruiting at your airline, your past airline, I should say. Um, ha- what did you guys do in that case where you had people that had certain things on the record, like a misdemeanor? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously that would come up. Uh, but a- as you pointed out, I mean, there are people who are working in airlines with DUIs, and uh, there's other minor criminal offenses, too, which just seems pretty minor to me, especially – you know, if you can explain that, um, I was looking at the probation thing. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't. Um, just looking at the question, it doesn't sound like it would be a a, a game killer uh, to me. And the reason I say that is not a violent crime. It's not. It, it's really just more of a. Obviously, you need a, dri- a valid driver's license. So I'm not trying to mitigate the fact that that's not you know a, a criminal thing. But it sounds like it was a misunderstanding. But um, I would say that as far as the way that the airlines hire, if you do have a clean record otherwise, I wouldn't see how that prohibits you from getting a job in aviation. And 
especially if he gets expunged off your record, I would still put it on an application because mm-hmm. uh, you want to be 100% transparent about it. But you know, if if you pull up the uh, you know your driver's license history and all that, it will it will come up on there. Um, I think does that come up even? See, that's the thing. You're getting into kind of weird legal things mm-hmm. that I'm not. I'm really just not an expert at. So I know that we would we. Uh, so I'll tell you. Let me tell you how we would basically handle it. We would bring the candidate in. We'd interview them if it was on their, if there was on our application. We'd ask them about that and say okay if they had a good explanation for it. Then we move on and, and finish the interview. Um, and then at that point, that's when that conditional offer of employment. If we offered them a conditional offer of employment, then we pull the background check. If it was something that HR felt wasn't uh, or was a no go on the background check, then that's when the conditional offer of employment would be pulled. So it sounds like to me this. I mean, I saw stuff like this all the time. And it wasn't an issue. I saw stuff actually worse than this. This is just, I got caught driving without a driver's license. You know, that stuff happens all the time. Traffic infractions. Uh, and like you said, we we've hired people with DUIs. So that it, it happens. It's just how, you, like you're saying, Carl, how you explain it. And it's one of those things that you're really just going to want to be upfront and honest about to a uh, whoever's doing the interview at whatever airline. Um, I, don't, I do not think this would be a game killer. So... Let's give an example of something that would be a game changer. And I'll give you an example. Maybe, Robert, you have one. In your case, uh, you know, if I'm interviewing you, I'm like, hey, listen, you know, I get it. This happened. And and I I understand it because I can relate to you because I've had other foreign driver's licenses. And, you know, it's like I I understand what you're going through. But uh, one case where I've seen it not work is someone who was arrested and um, for, I think it was a possession charge uh, of an illegal substance, did not disclose that. And I was given a conditional job offer, and that didn't show up on his record, but a few months later, it showed up, and he was actually terminated. And he came to me for advice, said, what should I do? I said, well, you better disclose and say, hey, listen, this happened after my application. Well, he didn't do that, and that's somebody who's who's not being honest. You know, they look at that as being dishonest. You can do just about anything at the airlines, just don't be dishonest. So there's there's an example of something that, that went the wrong way, uh, and it was because of the inaction of this person not disclosing that. So, may, Robert, do you have maybe an example you could give? Um, yeah, I mean, we. I'm trying to think of a spe- specific example. Um, like you, you know, you hear you hear those stories of people getting walked out of class. And if you want to make, it's like, hey, if you if if you want to make an issue out of something that would otherwise been a non-issue, it's don't disclose it or, or try to hide it because now it's that integrity issue. Um, I know that uh, there's been stuff. I, I don't want to get too into specifics, but I do remember one instance where there was someone who came in for an interview, um, didn't explode, uh, didn't um, uh, disclose on their application that they had something on their background. Well, when it came back that hey, you got this on your background, guess what? Even though that can, that's why they call it conditional offer of employment. That conditional offer of employment was pulled because uh, said person did not expose or expose. My goodness, I cannot talk tonight. Uh, <laughs> disclose. <laughs> they did not disclose that on their application because now you got a serious issue because now you're lying about it. And was there something more to that that you didn't want to, you know, you don't want that interviewer to know? Is there is there uh, a lot more in your background that? has happened that that you're trying to keep hidden that we don't know you don't know it becomes into hey what's going to happen if you're flying around these people who you have their i mean you have a lot of responsibility riding on your career right you're flying around people you're flying around or you know families and loved ones and uh companies really really expensive equipment they don't want you to be someone who does not have integrity to if you screw something up to come clean and be honest about it so you can come to a solution to fix whatever it was that because we're all human right we're all going to make mistakes but airlines want to see if you're taking that much responsibility that you're going to be a person of your word and a person who's not going to lie when they get into a bind and that's really what it comes down to so if you're caught lying on a little thing that's it. There really, there really can be no forgiveness in in the interview process. So you have to disclose it. 
That's a great, great uh, example, uh, Robert. I think I'd, I would say we'll keep it at that. So definitely disclose what you have. As far as the regulations stating that uh, uh, that you can't become an aviator and can't get hired, there are no regulations. But remember, it's the hiring department that gets you hired, and it's the company that's uh, you know they're they're worried about potential lawsuits also in the future, saying, "Hey, why did you hire this person?" and and they went out and uh, broke an airplane or whatever, or done worse. So something I think. And about. also, Good. one one more thing too is uh, on your medical uh there is actually a portion about having your license suspended or revoked um i don't know if that would i don't know where that would fall in where this would fall in there but i would imagine if the faa grants you a medical mm-hmm. um, when you go to apply with this on your record then i would think that just you having a medical might uh make you a little are you familiar with the clause i'm talking about i'm sure you are oh yeah or, sure yeah, so I'm, I'm assuming if you get a medical, um, that that right there would kind of say, okay, this is in the past, this is something that's not an ongoing issue, and as long as you talk about it, uh, the fact that you hold a medical at the interview should, uh, at least should help your cause. Yeah, and, and but remember, of course, everybody else is going to hold a medical too, so be careful about how you disclose it, and uh, and make sure, like you said, be upfront about that. So, uh, so yeah, you can still fly, you can get hired, but do you want? Will you get hired by the airline that you're looking for? Because remember this: when things get bad, or or say there becomes a tighter market, say we have a a recession that starts tomorrow, well then the airlines will take all those applicants and say, okay, we're just going to take the applicants that have nothing on their backgrounds, that kind of thing. So in this environment right now, I wouldn't worry about it as much. There are jobs out there. I would not uh, say to give up on that career, but uh, but definitely uh, make sure you have also ready your response to the interviewer when they ask you about that question. But good question. Great question. Uh, this comes up quite a bit. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's something that you need to think about. Everybody who's listening should think about that. If you have something in your background, no matter what it is you want to talk about, uh, make sure you have your, your answer ready. You know, those old time, tell me about a time questions in an interview. Tell me about a time where you broke a regulation, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, what are you going to answer to that one? Uh, so that's a good example of that. Anyway, let's move on to another question here. Uh, and this comes from uh, somebody who's also overseas that says, or someone who's from overseas says, I'm an aircraft internal maintenance department trainee, but I want to take the civil service exams and become a civil aviation administration of flight management. What job would you think would be better in my future? Uh, the, what he's talking about, and, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, the person that's writing in, but it's basically the, the IATA training courses, uh, the subject pages on the, on the civil aviation courses. There's, there's some really cool courses about, about the International Air Transport Association, and there's a lot of uh, different uh, courses that actually will help you while you're in your career, and sometimes you can get reimbursed by your employer for those. So the first thing I would do is talk to your employer. You said, what's best for you? And if it's something at your current employer that you want to go for, say, hey, listen, would this help me move into that position? Because this is something I want to do. And they say, yes. And by the way, you can get reimbursed for all or part of that course. Um, there's many courses IATA has. Uh, and I can't remember the prices on the one that you're talking about. But you know, no matter what you, you have online, uh, having training is, is really cool. And having those certificates is really cool and is really good for you and moving forward in your career you just have to be careful with the cost benefit analysis on it because if it's a if it's ten dollars uh then yeah go for it if it's a thousand dollars you might want to think about it. if it's ten thousand yeah i uh you know i wouldn't i wouldn't move forward with that at all by the way uh in general you know i talked about having somebody from uh, and i know uh, a lot of you folks that are listening overseas you know, we have people coming on the podcast. I, I put out a call for co-hosts, and uh, there are some folks that have been listening to us for a few years and have been willing to help out. Uh, we have a new one coming on from Brazil. Uh, we also have another person that's uh, originally, you know, from the UK and uh, and is a triple seven captain. Is actually the youngest triple seven captain at their airline. So it'll be interesting uh, when we have that person on the show. So we're going to have a lot of occasional co-hosts, and uh, like I said, the you know. The number two is uh, the you know, the folks over in, in Ireland, and, and also number four is, is Brazil. So we're looking at the top five right now of people that listen to us. Uh, and, of course, we're going to do Australia, too. Uh, we have quite a few listeners there. Uh, so anyway, they're talking more about IATA. Um, you know, we're talking a lot of FAA stuff. And, you know, we, we do every so often talk PANS ops and, and other things and, and YASA. So we d- definitely need to go that route with somebody who has a lot of experience. And they do. Uh, so hang in there. 
uh, and we'll, we'll have those people. But going back to this person's question, uh, there's many different jobs. If you look at just the IATA website and the training subject areas, I, I really like that website, and I'll tell you why. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go. I'll have the link in the show notes, by the way. IATA.org. Under training, there's all these different subject areas, and some have like airlines. If you're into fire safety, into oh oh gosh, everything, logistics, you know, airport operations. There's really cool courses out there, uh, mainly for people uh, that want to move forward at a specific location, kind of like you as a trainee. Uh, but it's also done by some really experienced people that have been in the industry for many many years. So go check it out. It's a really cool. Iada.org and look under the training. And they have some really neat courses out there. Anyway, uh, let's see. I think we have time for some more. Let's try another question real quick here. And uh, actually, I think we have two two more questions. Then we'll end up. Robert, you have enough time, right? Uh, yeah, so, sure okay, do. Okay, cool. Here we go. We got two more questions, um, and these are really good questions. So I want to get these in. Uh, first one says, "I'm a 45 year old commercial rated pilot with about 800 hours. I'm good. I make good money, about 150 thousand annually." at my current role in technology and have a flexible schedule that allows me to prioritize time with my family. But the passion to fly is burning inside of me. Friends, including professional pilots and family, advise me against trying to start a new career, and I can understand why. I'm in search of discovering potential pilot opportunities where I don't need to go on food stamps get divorced, and can still watch my boys play baseball. I did talk to a recruiter at Endeavor. I love that. that is so, like, yeah. Can I still have – is there an opportunity where I can go not go on food stamps and get a divorce and still watch my boys play baseball? And, uh, you know, I am, I am so not – I'm the example of all that. I, you know, I didn't actually go on food stamps, but I could have. And, yes, I did get a divorce, and, and you know, I didn't have time to do much else but fly. But that was at a time that was really bad in the industry. So uh, right now it's a lot different. And going from the technology field just like he was, uh, I, you know, making that kind of money, it was tough to leave, believe me. Um, but, uh, Robert's here, here laughing and it's, uh, it, it is, it is different, you know, definitely changing careers. I know Robert, you started off with this career, but, uh, but even yeah. with that, it's still, it was tough, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, but like that, yeah, I, this is definitely it's a big, coming from it from a different angle. Yeah. You're stepping sure. back quite a bit as far as finances are concerned. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, he uh, says, he continues, I've listened to a few of your podcasts and they inspire me to learn if an option exists for guys like me. If you have any advice or suggestions, I'm all ears. Uh, I've done, I've, this is kind of interesting because we, we can't obviously get into all the specifics of the situation because there can be more. But discovering what it is you want to do is really important. And maybe you can blend that role of what you're doing in IT with a career in aviation. You're, you're kind of designing your own life and designing your own career in aviation. It may be, uh, you may not be able to go to an airline, or maybe you can go to an airline eventually and still do what you're doing. But in your field, you have there's a lot of technology involved. There's, there's a, a lot of currency, just like in aviation, where if you get away from it, you're not going to remember it. Uh, and you may not actually have the skills to continue doing what it is you're doing in, in the field and make the same kind of money. Because Why? Because things change. Look at us at the airlines. A good example, and I, I'm glad you brought this up too, uh, as far as the uh, technology industry, we, ours changes a lot. If I was to leave my job for 12 months, just 12 months, say, and I came back, I'd have no clue what to do because there's so many things that change in our operations, uh, little things over time, but they, they add up. As a matter of fact, for those people that go out on sick leave or on military leave for more than 24 months, they have to go through the whole training again. And there's a reason for that, because so much has changed. In 24 months, things change all the time. The FAA changes things. We change things at the airline in our operation. Uh, so things do, do change going forward. With all that said, yeah, there's there's ways and there's lots of things you can do. Obviously, you can be a flight instructor. There's a lot of folks that combine a couple of their their passions. There's you know instructing in sometimes in some of the simulators, uh, but you want to fly. And there's lots of different flying opportunities out there. Uh, as far as pay, a lot you know we don't talk a lot about corporate, but corporate's a great way to go to to immediately start making a lot of money. Um, the reason we don't t talk about it as much is because the regionals are paying so much starting. Um, but, uh, but there are so many great opportunities out there, you know, flying, uh, there's different corporate jobs that, uh, you do it on a, a daily basis. You can be doing that type of flying. I know I've done that before. And I think Robert, you also have done that. So, uh, Robert, I'd love to hear some of your ideas. 
Yeah, I mean, it, that's a kind of the hard part is there is going to be a little bit of sacrifice with pay, I think, getting into it, um, especially since he's making pretty good money right now. And I just don't think there's really, unless you do the flying on a side and, and keep working uh, to gradually slide into it, I think that um, there's going to be a little bit. Of, there's going to be a little bit of a, a of a hurt there with the paycheck, but it is a good time to get in right now because pay is up, so that can be mitigated. Especially, I would think. So he talks about having that passion to fly, and I, I totally get that. So that makes sense. So if that's something like you just you know, if you're going to follow that passion and go, um, I think that, uh, that the way I would look at it is say, okay, well, where do I want to go? Like, what is going to be the fastest way to get me to my end goal? So I think defining that goal, where you want to end up in your career is extremely important. And then from there, you basically have to go. Uh, so if you want to go with the airlines, um, I'd say figure out where you're going to be able to to get hired that's going to be acceptable. Um, one one thing I would say is definitely look for uh, an airline that might uh, be beneficial to family clear as far as like not commuting and that kind of stuff. Obviously, look at all that stuff, all that stuff that we've talked about before in previous podcasts. But look at where it's going to have the, the fastest advancement um, uh, that you can see right now to maybe get you up to uh, that captain pay rate, which isn't going to, at least with captain pay rate, you're going to be getting close to where you were. Um, and then making yourself marketable to go to the majors. So if, if airlines is where you want to go, I'd say, okay, what is the, what is the fastest way I think that I can go to make myself get to that major airline? Because that's when you're going to make up that paycheck. It's, and, it, and it's going to be a sacrifice for a couple of years. But like Carl said, there's also the whole corporate, um, the corporate aviation side of things, which you could probably get on with a good corp, uh, corporation and uh, be flying in a, in a, uh, a business aviation department and probably make up that pay fairly quickly. So it's really you, I would say, I don't know what the end goal um, would be. Uh, I know he said that, uh, you know, he talked to an airline, he said, call us back when you get 1500 hours. Um, yes, that's true. You have to figure out how you're going to get that time though first and then, and go from there. I think that would be the first question to answer and then say, okay, once I get my time, where do I want to go from there? What is my end goal? And then I would just look at what, you know, what, path will get me to that angle as quickly as possible so I could make that money uh, so I can hopefully get to making good money make that money back up I guess does that make sense yeah, I like that. And uh, also remember this, is that your situation, uh, and that's the reason we offer the coaching, is is your situation, we don't know the whole background, et cetera. It, a lot depends on your financial situation. There's a lot of things that, you know, it depends how much money you have sitting in the bank, you know, as a buffer, that type of thing. And um, and also, you know, does your spouse make a lot of money? I mean, it, it really, there's all these different things that go into this decision. Uh, and, uh, but, but your I love your question, and I love sharing it here on the podcast. It's just there's so many specific things that you'd have to go over, and that's what's, you know, you're getting advice from friends saying, hey, don't do it. Uh, and uh, the reason that, and believe me, I heard it every day, you know, what the heck are you doing that for? Uh, you make plenty of money. Why are you going this route? And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's something that you have to really think about. And it may not, it may wind up being, no, this isn't the thing I want to do, but but there's another way I can stay in the in the airline or in the aviation industry uh, without giving up my dream, and that's what you have to discover, and that's kind of what we do, uh, and that's what we've been doing, you know, with the, a lot of our coaching clients. Uh, but great, great question. There's a lot of the people in the same boat. Uh, you only have 20 years to to follow your dream as an airline pilot, but you have a lifetime doing any type of commercial flying as long as you can hold a uh, pilot certificate and a and uh, your medical. There's a lot of Correct. guys doing 135 work, flying uh, down to the, the islands and stuff like that. Some really cool stuff. I was just with a guy today, you know, 60-year-old, like, hey, this would be cool. Maybe I can get a job flying uh, float planes around the Bahamas. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Uh, so there's there's a lot of different options. I'll never forget when I was younger commuting down to the Bahamas, I uh, was once flown by a gentleman who was a lot older, and I asked him what he did, you know, for a living before this. He says, oh, I'm a re- retired airline captain. <laughs> And he says, I just love flying. So now I'm doing this uh, 135 work back and forth. And I didn't understand what that 135 stuff was. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and he said, I just love it. He says, I love flying and I want to keep flying. So this is how I do it. He was, and he was always smiling, always happy. So, And that's what you have to do is find your happiness in your life and where you want to go. 
Uh-huh. That's true. And I and I think also, too, with the, he mentioned the family thing and wanting to spend time with this uh, prioritized family time. And I think that's that's so important during that transition because it's going to be really hard, uh, especially if you end up junior at an airline. So I would say before you make the jump, just make sure that you had the full support of, of you know, that your close family, you know, and your kids, because I think that's going to be a very, you know, and I'm just trying to keep it real because I think that's going to be a very difficult time with the transition. But uh, it's doable. It's just, you know, you're going to have – it comes with, like, the pay sacrifice. There is going to be those upfront sacrifices. So just know that going in full forward, you know, at the beginning and knowing and, – and your family being aware of that, I think will make that transition um, a lot uh, a lot more smooth. That's some great advice, especially from someone who has a family and, yeah. uh, and, and knows the challenges of scheduling and, and that type of thing. And uh, I think that's true. And we all do. You know, I have, you know, I have family, and I'm, it's always a challenge, like, being pulled in different directions. We all have that, no matter where we are, what job we have. You can never spend enough time with your family, and you never will be, no matter what you do in life. Doesn't matter. Sure. You always, uh, you know, unless you can spend twenty four hours a day with them. You know, it's uh, and that's you know, a big pot of gold files on you. Um, but that might hurt. So who knows? You know, it, it's <laughs> but you know. So there, there's pluses and minuses to everything. But the point is, you know, it's a, it, it's it's well, all. You could pay for the medical bills. Yes, you could with that big pot of gold. <laughs> trying to stay sure. positive. Yes, but stay positive. Thank you. We did start off very negative on this show. That's for sure. <laughs> Oh boy! Speaking of very positive, let's end with a positive email. And I and by the way, thanks for the the email. It's some great questions. Um, this last one is really cool, and it's something that I feel really strong about. So let me let's talk about it. It's, uh, uh, he says, let me just read it first. I recently graduated from college and decided to pursue my lifelong dream of becoming a pilot. I'm a Marine and have already used my GI Bill to its entirety, obtaining my bachelor's degree. I wanted to know if you had heard anything about the Forces to Flyers program the Secretary of Transportation was recently speaking out about. This program would be a huge blessing as the cost of becoming a pilot is pretty heavy. I also have an appointment to speak to an advisor in order to see if I can get any assistance using vocational rehab. So let's talk about those two things, voc voc rehab we've talked about here before, and there's opportunities there. And, of course, you talk to the advisors. Uh, it's There's a lot of folks out there willing to help you. AMVETS can help you. Uh, the American Legion, which I'm a part of, uh, they can help you. But I think what you're doing is great. Also, that, that whole... Uh, uh, forces the flyers program i think is really cool and that was actually promoted by the secretary of transportation elaine chow and she uh is really a big promoter of aviation in the united states and a promoter of our vets and i think that's terrific looking at uh, they took the whole situation looked at say hey listen we're going to have this pilot shortage and uh, what can we do to help our pilots and help our former uh, you know, Air Force, Marine, all of our military folks move forward in, the, in their careers as a pilot because there is going to be the shortage. What can we do to help fill that need? And they've come out, come up with some uh, a program that has to be uh, fleshed out. And there's a lot going on. The Airlines for America are very much behind this. It's called the Forces to Flyers Initiative, and they are just to let you know, though, as far as uh, getting your hopes up about this. There is still, and this is, you know, the the movement through government's a little bit slow. They're still in that research phase uh, for doing this, and they understand we need like up to like six thousand pilots, new pilots a year. That's quite a few pilots that we're going to need, and and they understand the fact that uh, there is that shortage. But they also understand that we have a lot of folks coming out of the military, and and we'd like to do something like the vocational rehab, but but we can help them go through their their pilot training from from soup to nuts, all the way to being a certified flight instructor. Um, because if, if you remember the GI Bill, there's certain restrictions on getting your private pilot license that have made it more difficult for people uh, coming out of the military to use, especially for their private. Well, this is the this is the forces you know this this is the initiative that is trying to get around that and uh, and a hats off uh to uh, to her and uh, and her husband uh, uh for for pushing this forward i think it's it's really really uh critical uh in helping those people that are coming out of the military and uh and hats off to to those folks for doing that um there is uh interestingly enough um one of the, it's become a, a big thing right now people trying to figure out how to use their benefits uh, 
uh, to move forward and to move forward quickly. Be careful too when you're using your benefits that you go out with an out go with an outfit that's uh, you know reputable because uh, there there are still people that have taken advantage of uh, some of those folks that are coming out uh, using their GI Bill and uh, kind of not using it the most efficient manner because. Uh, you know, the worst I've heard is someone saying, hey, you're getting this for free. Well, we'll wait a minute. You know, that person did serve in the military and, and they, they've paid uh, a price with their families and being away from their home and and, and fighting overseas. So it, it wasn't, believe me, it wasn't free, you know. Wow. Uh, and, uh, I can't believe someone actually would say nah, that. Well, no, but uh, gosh, you know, honestly, I've heard it more than once. So it's, uh, uh, it, thank God it's rare. It happens every so often. So you do have to do your research there. Uh, we're obviously not pointing out any individuals or organizations here, and I don't want to get in trouble for doing no. that. Don't come sue me for saying it. <laughs> but I will say this: uh, it has those organizations have already been pointed out by. Uh, I do promote the fact of of filing complaints. If you feel that you're being taken advantage of, uh, you need to get someone behind you, get the government behind you. Uh, I'm not going to start the process. You need to. If you're somebody who is using that GI Bill and feels like they're being taken advantage of, you definitely need to to move forward with that. But with that said, there's a lot of great organizations out there wanting to help our vets, and uh, we're one of them. We we really you know care for those folks that have uh, you know promoted you know freedom throughout the world and also kept us safe here at home uh, by promoting freedom. So that's uh, hats off to all those vets that are listening right now. Uh, I know a lot of you are out there right now serving overseas and, and get to hear this and, and are excited about your new endeavors when you come back uh, from being overseas. And, and we can't wait to, or wherever you're serving in the United States, et cetera. And we're excited to see you move forward in your career after uh, your military career. Uh, and if you're in in the military and you're making that your your careers work, well, hats off to you also. I mean, that's terrific. And thanks again. We all appreciate your service. That's for sure. Well, gosh. Um, oh, and if you want more information about that, I have a link. It's on the transportation.gov actually website has it, and that's the U.S. Department of Transportation. Uh, and they have a thing called the Forces to Flyers Research Initiative. Remember, it's a research initiative, meaning that's going to take a little time. So I hope they do their research quickly and find something positive <laughs> to come out from it. Uh, really good stuff. Um, but uh, I, I don't know, Robert, have you heard of this program? I didn't ask you that. Uh, no, actually, I haven't. So I'm glad that you know all about it because that is... Uh I don't know anything about it. There, so. I don't think anybody knows anything. No. I don't know. It's really it's it's in it's an initiative. So uh, there's there's a lot of things being fleshed out. But thanks for Airlines for America and also uh, for uh, you know the everybody over at the U.S. Department of Transportation uh, for what they're doing, especially uh, uh, the Secretary Lane Giles for doing that. Uh, let's see. I think that's it for the questions. We do one thing we've been remiss on sometimes is talking about our links that we've mentioned this podcast and also sometimes a video of the week. I've actually decided I'm going to start adding some more videos from some of the airlines that are recruiting because there's some really interesting videos coming out. And, uh, I got to. I just watched one. It was called the Potential PSA Pilots Interview at American Airlines. Really inspirational video. They did a great job on this PSA, uh, and it talks about being interviewed and at American uh, at their facility and for the the potential pilots coming in to work for PSA, knowing that there's that career pathway program to the majors. And I think that's uh, they're looking for people, and a lot of different regions are doing this, looking for people that are are going to fit the role to become that pilot at at the majors and if you're if there's anything that i'd have to say about this video it's very inspirational especially for somebody who's thinking about becoming an airline pilot if for nothing else just listen to it even if you're not interested in going to psa watch the video i liked it and i i thought it was the, the photography plus it's really cool there's a dc3 all right Let's get down to it. I love the DC in the picture, so so I love that that aspect of it and the fact that they they did such a great job uh, making it so inspirational towards our future aviators. Did you get a chance to look at that, by the way, Robert? I did. Did you all know that Carl sends me homework before the episode yeah. and he goes, "Hey, you got to watch this. This is you got to watch this. We're talking about it." So yeah. I did. Um, and uh, yeah, what what it said? DC three was their first aircraft they one of, had. It's on one property? of the first. It's one of the first. I don't oh, think it's one actually, of the first. Yeah. Anyways, that's still pretty cool. Yeah, it is. That it is, is awesome. Cool. And uh, so yeah, yeah, it was a really it was a it was a well done video. I thought it was very good. So if, if anything, watch watch it for just the DC three pictures because I thought that was totally cool. Uh, and uh, and the photography is awesome. So. 
uh, I kind of pause when I see the, like the vi- the video of the simulator and also the DC three and uh, and the and the person that's uh, doing the hiring he actually was pretty inspirational for anybody looking at a career even if it's not a PSA maybe I'll change your mind and go to PSA who knows uh, well Robert I think that's it for the questions this evening I'm I, thanks for hanging out for so long I know uh, you actually are one of those people that's challenged a little bit by the family and and all these responsibilities that. Uh, some of us don't have, you know, have raising kids and, uh, you know, animals and things like that. that we, you know, <laughs> we just gave an animal away today, actually. Oh, did you? Uh, wow. Yeah, we are we are uh, one or short one bearded dragon now. Uh, we finally convinced my daughter to give it away to one of her friends. Oh wow! So oh, yeah, beard, bearded dragonless. It's uh, she's actually kind of upset about it, but oh, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, responsibilities. Uh, I have to adult sometimes, so I'm adulting. You're That's adulting. what we call it. I'm adulting. <laughs> I will tell you this to end on a on a positive note. If you want, I got a, I got a little quick story for you. Please, please. Um, I did get to go. Um, it, it was uh, I had to go back to Tampa for a funeral. Well, that sounds not positive for a funeral. Um, that's not the positive part of it. But um, I did get a little chance to hang out there for a little bit. And as y'all know, I'm I'm from Tampa, so I got to. I had a rental car. I went into. Um, my airport i learned my home home airport i got to learn how to fly at and was uh, such a huge part of my my growing up and uh, it was really cool to look around there and see how much has changed and actually a lot of ways stay the same and it's just a very very cool experience to go back to your home field uh, i haven't been back for about nine years and i need to go more often but uh it was just it was just so cool being out there and talking to some familiar faces and uh it was just really, it was a really cool experience. It, it brought back a lot of memories on on my journey, my path, and how I've gotten where I'm at today. And just it, it was a very uh, very cool experience. So I, I just thought I'd like to share that. Well, Robert, that's awesome, man. I I tell you, one of the things we forget to do is is looking back at, at where we came from and the journey that we took to get to where we are. And that's why I always say, try to enjoy the journey. And and you obviously did. You had such a positive, uh, you know a very very positive experience where you were and uh by being there you actually accelerated your process to to moving on to the airlines and uh and it all starts uh, with small airplanes at small airports and and flying and being excited every day and learning something new and you still remember those things don't you robert those those lessons from long time ago Absolutely. And that was what's so cool about it is just how much that shaped me growing up. Because, you know, I, I started at 14 and just I, I really grew up around that airport, uh, at least in my adolescent years. And uh, it was it was. Yeah, just all those memories back and, and uh, remembering what it was like to work line and fuel airplanes and then become a flight instructor later on. And uh, just actually talking to people who are still there at the airport uh uh, when I was there and going back and visiting with these people and just kind of talking about the people who used to work there and uh, just remembering the funny stories and the good stuff about working there. It was really, it was really a cool experience. So I'm glad I went over there. You know, Robert, you've really kind of inspired me because one of the things, you know, finishing up the podcast here, you know, we, we really appreciate everybody that's listening. And one of the things I, I always talk about is doing something to move forward in your career Sometimes when you do something to move forward in your career, you have to look backwards. Sometimes you have to go backwards to remember where you came from, and it does inspire you to move forward. You know, I, I, uh, when you were talking about that, I remember the field that I first flew out of, um, Wyoming Valley Airport in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, and it was really in 44, and just south of Scranton where I was going to college. And, and one of the things that was really important to me is on one of my vacations, I went to visit that airport. And lo and behold, there was somebody there that just started a scholarship. And I told him, hey, listen, I got this scholarships book that I think, you know, maybe if you got in there, you get more applicants. Because they only had two applicants. And it was just, it was an incredible serendipitous journey. But by going back there, it really inspired me to, to help other people and to remember what it was like when I was there and knew nothing about this field. And when I started getting excited because that's where it started. That's where I decided that's what I wanted to do. And it took me 10 more years after that point right there to st- actually start uh, working as a pilot. And one of the things I want to tell you folks uh, the, and everybody listening right now is, you know, try to do something today to move forward in your career. But maybe today is a day to look back. 
Day-to-day is a day to look back at where you got your inspiration to fly. Was it a person? Was it an airport? Was it a show? Was it a video? Was it something you read? But I want to inspire you today to do something now, to look backwards at where you started, what, what got you interested, and take that, whatever it is, take a picture, keep it in front of you, put it on your computer, put it on your homepage, put it on your iPad, iPhone, whatever you have, keep reminding yourself of what got you into this and what drove that passion. And I really appreciate you all. Do that for me. Do that now. Do something today like that to move forward in your career. We'll talk to you next episode and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.